I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I talk with movement enthusiasts to learn who they are, what they do, and why they do it. My guest today is Bane. Welcome, Bane. How are you? Uh, four hours ahead of me? Five hours ahead of me? I think we're five hours ahead. We are indeed. I'm very well. Thank you, Craig. Um, thank you so much for having me. Um, how are you oh. this afternoon? You good? Uh, I'm I'm excited. Uh, you've been on my list for a while. People know that I have this list. It's only got like 300 people on it. <laughs> you've been on my list for a while. We first met in, I looked it up, 2016. I won't pretend that I didn't look it up uh, at a parkour event. Um, I'm guessing this is going to be a pretty parkour heavy podcast. If you don't know who Bane is, I'm sorry. Uh, we were making a joke. You can you can find him online at I don't think so dot no way. And uh, generally, yeah, this is the only chance you're going to get to hear from him. <laughs> we we had a chance to talk. Part of the reason I love doing this is we get to have a conversation before I press record, and we often get to have conversations in advance. So two weeks ago, we were talking, and we started talking about a bunch of things. But I really feel like the good stuff was when we were talking about training alone. Um, I mentioned before I hit record that I actually believe most of the training that happens like in the world is people training by themselves. I mean, maybe they're friends with them, but it's really that one, you know, one person that goes out there and they have a, a mission or a thing or a, a question or something. And I know that we all are used to talking about training indoors and training in groups and building community and all these things. But um, when I started to learn more about how you train in the past and how you've continued to train that idea of talking about training alone really seemed like a great place to to dig in. Uh, so I warn people I ramble. I'll just make it into an actual question. So tell me about like you're still physically in the same place where you've always done parkour. Like you've this has been your home for a long time. And that one of the things I asked you before was how has your pursuit of like what you go out and do changed over the years? What's it like to be training in the same spots? You know, I don't want to date you by saying how long so many years later. Um, yeah, I've been in this city in Belfast in Northern Ireland for probably about 15 or 16 years at this point. Uh, and I grew up in, in Northern Donegal in Southern Ireland as well. So yeah, I've been in one place for quite a long time and I have spent most of it training on my own um there's a few reasons for that but being of a certain generation and friends who were of closer to me in terms of age who had moved away over the years and then not really being i think involved in in kind of the indoor gym setups and things with, with, with the younger generation coming ahead might have separated things a little bit um and also just in terms of like time and coordination life gets busier as you get older responsibilities increase and you don't always have time to contact three people and, and arrange to meet and have everyone show up. Sometimes it's easier to go, I've got 30 minutes before I have to be somewhere. I can go out and do this now, or I've got two hours and I can go out and do it myself. So being autonomous kind of helps drive my training, I think, because there's no hurdle or barrier to go, I really need to get out there and do it with people. Um, that, that sort of helped. But I think one of the main things, um, that I find it's kind of strange when it comes to parkour community and, and, and things that I've known and that I've enjoyed and of course benefited from over the years is the social side of it. I've met wonderful people. I've had the most incredibly hospitable people help me out in London. Um, mm. But I don't love traveling like most parkour people that I know do. Um, I really don't like traveling actually. Um, and I also don't um, spend a lot of time traveling to large groups and jams in that sense as well. It feels like being 
for me, so used to being on my own, it feels like being a skater in a crowded park, skate park, where mm. you know everyone's using the ramp, and I'm kind of going, when do I get to drop in here? And you have to think about the etiquette of everybody else. So when you're on your own, you've got the space to yourself, and you're having a, an interaction w- with a with an environment, a space, or an obstacle. Um, it's completely exactly the path that you want to take, and you don't have to worry about breaking up your movement or yeah, reducing your goals to allow other people to get in. Um, mm. this, yeah, it's, I, is that, do you find that that, I'm going to say that's a theme in, in your physical activity? Is that, is a theme, uh, did you, looking back, do you now see that that was something that you did before parkour? Like, so maybe you were a runner or actually a skater. Were you always that way? Were you always the kind of person that wanted to pursue physicality by yourself or were you, you used to play team sports or? I used to rollerblade. You're, you're correct. I, I got into parkour actually through aggressive inline skating. Um, and it was a little different there. I actually did. I grew up skating with people. Um, now, I grew up, like I said, in rural Donegal in the early 90s, um, born in the 80s. But there were f- like four people in the town who skated, or five people, and only two of us were rollerbladers. The rest were skateboarders. And the famous rivalry did not exist. We all we all skated together. We knew our own. So I actually did. I <laughs> Team wheels, right? All the time. Yeah, exactly. We all had wheels. Um, and that's what united us. And it was amazing. And um, we ended up, you know, the skaters, the bladers, I should say, used to take off their skates at the end of the day um, and try jumping onto the handrail that they found really hard to do when you were wearing blades because of the weight. And mm. you were so much lighter and you could kind of, glide onto the railing and you know movement's always been central to my vocabulary but after the the change to parkour my earlier years were spent training with people a little more uh i was always geographically kind of segmented when i started there weren't really many people in the country who, who did um what we do and we were all united by internet forums back then as well and i'm not talking um pk.net or urban free flow yet at this point, it was kind of like uh, there was a site called Parkour Ireland uh, run by someone in Dublin, um, some original kind of old, old head people. Um, and we used to talk on that. And when we showed up for their first jam after a year or a year and a half of talking online, that's why I'm, my nickname is Bane. That's why I'm still known as Bane. Most people have never been introduced to me any other way because when you met up at that gathering yeah here to say all you knew was the handle hey, right it's it's bane it's not because if you said colin they'd look at you blankly and then you go oh it's bane oh i know who you are and and vice versa everyone works <laughs> off nicknames so i know there's a lot of people in the community who kind of you know look down their nose a little bit at you know oh screen names and why don't you yeah, just use your real anymore. name and it's not a thing to yeah. be. but you know it's not new nicknames people have had nicknames for a yeah. hell of a long time and um and that's as you know as, as rich as i get with it so you know i would have gone and i would have traveled a little bit from donegal up to the big smoke the big city so to speak and it was a really thriving scene back in like 2006 and five and seven around about there um there was a lot of people uh, waterfront uh, the the Lanyon place waterfront area in Belfast would have been probably one of the most widely attended areas um, and you could barely see the concrete for people at the weekends on a Saturday mm. and it wasn't just parkour people it would have been a place for kind of young people to kind of uh, get together and drink and smoke uh, but then there were our us parkour people who were running around as well um, and that was a lot. Yeah, we, we would go to that, but they would be trips and they would be single visits. But when I went back home to Donegal, there was no one else really who did that. So it was instilled in me an awful lot out of, I think, necessity. But it never became a problem 
because I think being a rollerblader and being used to being out in public and using the environment to create movement, I never really felt that self-conscious doing things on my own in public, which yeah, I think like is a massive barrier. Radicalized, yes. There's a piece yeah. there. You have to, I believe you've so. had to get that mindset. Yeah. So uh, with someone whose father as well was very prominent in the local like farming community and things like that, and you know, you would have a lot of people who knew who you were because it was a small town and just questioning why you were crawling on all fours up that railing and scratching their heads <laughs> going, what's going on? And you got to remember this is pre YouTube even. So no yeah. one knew what parkour was a free running and it just looked like the most um, out there thing and people didn't understand it. And yeah, it was, it never really stopped me. It never really bothered me. So that's, yeah, that's where I kind of, I lent in, leaned into it. I think a little bit. There's a piece of, um, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get like philosophical because I'm not a philosopher. I mean, I guess by definition that would There's make philosophy me in all of us, Craig. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Little P philosophy. Uh, I don't have an armchair or a large tower. Uh, I think that there's a piece. So I'm, I didn't start parkour back that far. So I started parkour like probably after Facebook existed. Like, I mean, like I'm like a late comer to the game. Sure. So I fortunately fell in with a group that basically was training the way you're describing. We went outside, we met up and like all the training was one to like, you know, you followed there six people, but one-to-one -one, you're, you're talking to one person and this person does something and then you try it. And you, I had to get both that mindset that you were describing that you brought from skating. We we're like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I don't mind being looked at. I had to get both that mindset piece from the parkour practice that I was doing. And at the same time, I had to get the other piece, which you also clearly had, which is the go find it, go get it, go like search out the thing that you want to learn. So I, I, I see that I don't want to be too negative, but if people just begin in really organized communities where the classes are super organized, usually it's indoors things are are given to you especially if you're in the states in the west things are given to you very a b c d e f g all the pieces are right in the thing and this is the best way for us to deliver it and i always feel like there's something that you wind up missing if you haven't been i don't want to say thrown in the pool if you haven't been like left in the parking lot you know just like well i want to do some parkour but i don't even know what that is and what do i even do here like but i really want to do it so i'm going to figure it out there's like a a mindset there that i think i don't know do you realize how special that is and you just kind of like in your whole story, you never mentioned how special that piece of all of that is. Is that, am I making sense? This thing that I'm pointing at. And secondly, do you realize, or do you agree that you had that in the very beginning somehow? I think I had the, the parkour vision that everyone likes to talk about because I also came from rollerblading and it's, it's not just parkour vision, it's movement vision, it's creation vision. It's looking at architecture and using it to create movement, whether that's jumping down a stair set, grinding a rail or a ledge, or whether it's doing parkour movement through that. Um, I definitely had that, but I also don't, I wouldn't have asserted that it was that unique in our game because that's what our game is entirely about. Everyone who does parkour has, or develops that vision. Um, and I think it's, you go to a spot and every single person will be using it slightly differently. Everyone will line up for the big cat pass or the big running pre and, you know, but when you, when you are there in a group of people and, you know, whilst I train on my own, I have trained in groups in the past and in large groups, you do see people get very creative and some people lean into their strengths and move, uh, in a way that's conducive for their body type, their body shape, their age, their power. 
Um, and it's beautiful seeing how people naturally gravitate towards a certain type of movement to, I guess, accentuate all of their strengths. Um, and it's lovely seeing that when it happens as well, because there are certain movements that I always look at. I think they're called like coffee grinders. A friend of mine, um, big shout out to, to Pickles, a uh, parkour guy from around here who is talking to me the other day and told me told me the name of a coffee grinder. I knew the movement, but I never knew that's what it was called. There are things like that um, that I just, I'm not really good with because I've got quite long legs and a long torso and long arms as well. But people with a shorter torso, shorter legs tend to be able to, you know, send themselves into like pommel horse stuff on walls almost a little mm -hmm. easier. And that doesn't come naturally to me. So I always love looking at that. But yeah, I think, I think everyone who does parkour kind of has that. So would you, have you experienced that differently then? Am I perhaps, maybe it is more special than I think. Well, I, th I mean, maybe it is special. Maybe it isn't special. We only have two data points now, but I think it's particularly special because for me, I don't generally, um, I'm not pausing because I'm deciding whether I want to say this on mic. I'm pausing because I'm like, how do you explain this? I'm not generally training traditional like parkour moves on my own. Like I go out and I run, I go out and I do QM on my favorite tennis court or, you know, hill sprints or like whatever I'm doing. I, I do things on my own, but the movements, I'm going to say the movements are very obvious. So it's like, well, I did parkour on the tennis court because there's not much else you can do on a big flat piece of asphalt, right? You got to do QME kind of things. Um, and, oh, here's a trail. You're either going to walk it or you're going to run it or you're going to go bushwhacking if you're going sideways. Uh, oh, and here's a, a a flat cinder trail that's really great for running. Well, either strolling or like to me, it always feels like I'm doing the obvious movement. And I find that if I'm like, say, you know, figuratively, I'm standing in my house. Okay. Today's challenge is to go out and do some like real ADD training. I'm like standing in my house. I'm like, I don't really know where to go. I mean, I know that like, I'm fine. Go outside in the rain and walk for two hours to look for a spot. But for me, I, I'm so used to being uh, led not like people have to tell me what to do, but like, I'm so used to, since I'm the slow old guy, I have the luxury of following. And that, like, I didn't realize that that was a thing that I was leaning on, that it's, it's not easy. Like follow people who are better than you. That's a really good workout for years, but it, there's a piece there that I didn't get or that I should work on now or that I, or that I got, but dropped. I don't know how to word that, but there's this piece of this. Um, it's not quite that I have unknown unknowns. It's not quite that I'm not a self-starter because I um, I know how to find unknown unknowns. And it's just this, there's something different about, and maybe it's just my environment. Like I live in a pretty relatively rural area. So like if you wanted to do reverse queue, I'm up a set of stairs. I'd have to think about where the, where there's a good set of stairs within a mile of my house. Like that's, it's just not that kind of environment. This is not every, this is not lease. Um, although lease isn't concrete, but anyway, uh, I, I think that is something that I, only in recent years realized that I'm like, Ooh, I have this weakness or like this blind spot that I've developed because I'm used to following other people, not because I want to follow them because you have the knowledge, but because I'm literally always following everybody else. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a big thing there. A, your, your surroundings, your architecture certainly makes a big difference. A point. In fact, you would struggle to find a 20 set of stairs to go and do reverse QM up. I would struggle to go out and actually find a, what I think is colloquially known as a, an urban lache, 
a naturally occurring lachet. And in fact, I remember doing my very first ever, this is not a joke, my very first lachet to cat ever was in the chain store gym in London with, with mm. Mark or Jen. Um, a built environment, right? Yeah, in a built environment because it was set up. And I remember doing it, and I, I can't remember if it was Dan or if it was Blaine, um, who I was with at the time. And I remember saying to them, guys, that's like the first time I've ever done this. It wasn't big. Like, it wasn't like challenging in terms of distance. It was just challenging because it was big enough and it was yeah. a movement that I'd never done. And I did it. It was fine. It was okay. But I, I made a point of saying, guys, I've actually never done that before. And this is after years and years and years of training um, because it's just not naturally occurring here. And I don't train in gyms where there's a lot of scaffold and a lot of pipes around. So that was cool. The other thing I think that can be discussed that you mentioned there about always being able to follow someone else. Um, and it's been a long time since I've had people to train with. Um, I will come back to this. I did go to a small jam last year, um, a small group of people, but I'm, I'm going to come back to that experience. Um, I, I think I suffer for not having that as well because Yes, there's a, there's a wonderful amount that you find out about yourself when you train alone and your motivations have to be 100% pure because no one's watching. You're not recording anything. Nobody cares. And there's no ego because you know, you're not trying to prove anything to anyone except for yourself. So there's a lot of positives. There, there absolutely is. But when you don't have another group of people to follow who are better than you, and it, like it wouldn't be hard to be better than me. That's not my point. My point is that I may progress in a much slower manner and I may be a little bit less adventurous with certain movements because I don't have that input of other mm -hmm. people and other people's visions. Um, I mentioned this in our pre-chat about, I've spoken very much with Jordan uh, for, um, in Lancaster about this and um, about going out on my own and going, I don't think I want to commit to this because if I do mess this up, the repercussions mean that I could be injured on my own with no one to kind of help out or no way to get to to help and that sounds terribly melodramatic it's not like i go do, doing crazy things but these are the little risk assessments that you have to make when you've cycled five miles out of the city and you're training in an alleyway somewhere and you want to make sure that you know you, you're getting home safely at the end yeah. of the day um but also i do find that over the years i may have maybe not committed to certain things that i really should have and felt that i was able to and just couldn't get past that break and consequently i've spent the last few years actively going and trying to do little things that they're not like massive achievements, but they are small things that I've always had a little fear about locally. And I go around taking off a little checklist uh, hmm. of things that I've always wanted to do and building new ones as well that are building on the experience of the last time. I'm very methodical in terms of how I approach things uh, and perhaps too much so. So maybe I just need to make that leap sometimes but my brain won't let me jump two letters. I'll have to find a way to prep it progressively and incrementally um, in order to, to fool myself into saying, if anything goes wrong here, it's not because you were, you know, uh, impetuous and you just sent it. I, I kind of hate that, that <laughs> I hate that phrase, but it has its place, right? It works. Um, yes, it works. Yeah. But you, you weren't impetuous. You didn't just send it, but you actually built on all the data and you approached it correctly. And I can rationalize it to myself and go, okay, if you had an accident, that's all that is. It's not error. 
it's a mistake happened of course but it's not because you didn't put the time in or it was beyond your capability i I like to train within my capability Mm. and i think that's for having other people around you can flirt with that line a little bit more and you can get inspired by people who do things that are they're stronger with than you are or more confident with or technically more proficient because you can see how they do it as well um, so a lot of my stuff is breaking down videos over the years whether that was learning how to roll watching still frames of uh, uh the rush hour ident mm-hmm. with david bell back in the day or when jump london came out you know doing frame by frame vhs analysis on the roll because this again this is pre-youtube and i i wasn't on those forums that shared those videos um I would have done an awful lot of that kind of video breakdown. So when you can see someone else and it's actually live and you can do the other angles, I feel like it's, it's a wonderful way to learn. And maybe it might encourage me to progress a little more or push that envelope a little bit more that I may not be just as confident with doing on my own, but it's a learned skill. I'm identifying that and I'm trying to, to push myself in aspects that I know I didn't five years ago, for example. Um, and it's, it's such a personal thing because I don't want anyone listening to think that when he's talking about pushing the envelope and, you know, I'm not jumping off roofs and I'm not doing a double gainer <laughs> off a building. Chucking you know, stupid, right? It could, be, it could just be a cap pass to your rail with a drop. And that's just very much intimately terrifying to me in, in whatever setup that is. And the conquering of that is 100%. It's just a manifestation of, of, a, of a goal. Mm-hmm. And that goal is intrinsic to me. And someone else might look at that and that might be their warm up, you know? Yeah. What else are you thinking about training alone? You had mentioned, um, when we talked earlier, you had mentioned a couple of those, I'm going to say small things that you broke. Uh, so I'm glad you got to touch on that, that it's, you know, maybe I should go back and look at that. Like both me recanting your story and also me thinking, maybe I should go back and look at that one wall to wall. 180 cat yeah. I should probably go do. Absolutely. You <laughs> um, should. Yeah. And I like going back and not really, I say I go out with a goal. But I'm very organic, I think, in how I approach things because you feel different on different days. Your body feels different. You're carrying different uh, stresses. You're maybe not rested enough, all sorts of things like that. Um, I go to a spot with a goal of doing something, but I don't stress if I don't feel like I want to commit on that day. It's like a conversation that I can have with that space. If I've gone there now with the mental focus of I am going to do this, if I'm really in a position where my brain doesn't want to commit after working up and working up and working up, I'll just take that win for the day. I'll save the marker there and I'll go back in a week's time or two weeks time. And I'll go, okay, you know where you are. You know where you stopped, warm up to that space again, uh, build on that information and see if today you can get the final achievement. Because the biggest thing that, you know, you realize the longer you do anything, the more time that you have is you do have time. And, you know, people talk about, you know, getting older in any sport and there being a window of opportunity. And there's a lot of truth to that, certainly. But, you know, if it, do, if it takes me until next month, there's, there's things that I've just done mm-hmm. for the first time. We, we spoke about this actually two weeks ago. I broke a running cat here in the city that I had never fully committed to the top level of before. But I haven't tried that for years. And I just did that, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So there's a lot of time. I'm not worried about breaking it in one session or two sessions. And I'm not worried about forcing it and making it happen because I've set myself a goal of doing it this weekend. I've set myself a goal of doing it when I'm ready to do it. And it's about coaxing that readiness out of me 
and strategizing how best to prepare for that and how best mm. to create a scenario where my body's ready to go. Now I can do that. Not I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. Uh, I'm watching the time tick <laughs> as, I, as I always do. Um, all right. So it's, it's kind of rare to get, uh, you in front of a microphone, let alone in front of any media. Uh, so let's do, let me do two completely random caution, turn signal, unrelated questions. <clears throat> um, billboard anywhere in the world, what would you put on it? And even maybe what language would you put it in? I don't know. <laughs> totally unbounded, no context, just billboard anywhere in the world. What would you put on it? Your practice is your own. Hmm. I think. And one or more, if you like, one book that you think people who are interested in training alone should probably go read. Not necessarily because it's about training alone, but if people are thinking like you're currently thinking, what's a book that you think they should be thinking about? Wow, that's... (laughs) That's a difficult one. Um, I studied I studied English literature, and it kind of killed my love for reading. So I'm trying to first of all, I'm trying to remember the last book that I read. Um, it was a I did long English, shot. I did English lit as a degree. Yeah, um, the last book I read was Mistakes not a biography. Were made. <laughs> I mean, listen, I could go straight out, and I could go Julie Angel's Breaking the Jump. Um, that's a definite parkour. You know, that's definitely the. Parkour I think that's a definite parkour one. Yeah, absolutely. And you could go with the the amazing uh, Born to Run, which has done the rounds and I think Ooh, most people's bookshelves. Most people should have known about that, but that's a good one. If people yeah. haven't seen it, it's uh, Christopher McDougall. Christopher McDougall, absolutely. Um, who also went on to write Natural Born Heroes, but um, which had a slight parkour leaning as well, I believe. But yeah. I think Born to Run was much more of a, it was a much more engaging read and there's an awful lot of separate stories throughout that. It's not all just one person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it follows uh, individuals who are going out and doing their own thing and doing it all completely alone. Um, I think that's a that's a very in, it was an interesting read whenever I did it. Absolutely, anyway, yeah. that's an excellent book reminder. That's a good one. Uh, all right, I will just say, and of course, the final question: three words to describe your practice. So I had thought about this, and I was just going to go pretty, I think, pretty mainstream with it. I'm going to follow the brief. Uh, I'm going to go with personal. I'm going to go with sustainable, and I'm going to go with flexible. Mm-hmm. I think personal because leading off the the billboard thing um your movement is your own it's it's so personal parkour i think and whether you're watching people doing 15 foot rooftop jumps in hong kong um star stuff and you know amazingly visual and uh, challenging physical things or whether it's the simplest mental challenge that someone may have a in a back alley in London or something like that. Uh, your movement is very much your own and your challenges are intrinsic to yourself, to what you want to achieve, to what you're capable of. And also how long you've been doing something and you can still find your way to trying new techniques and doing new things that you'd never done earlier in that. Um, so yeah, that's personal. In terms of sustainability, I try and keep my aura in. I try and train pretty regularly. Um, that training deviates from parkour. I kickbox i long distance swim i free dive i cycle i do play tennis do a lot of different things um to try and make sure that i'm sustainable in in my training and it's not all high impact and it's not all you know high stress and in terms of flexible i don't sweat the small stuff anymore in terms of you know programming and, and training five or six days a week and um i'll get sessions in when i can 
I will train parkour as regularly as I can technically, but equally, if I want to go into suspend my body in, in water and do a couple of kilometers in the ocean uh, swimming, I'm getting some nice steady state cardio. I'm getting some decompression. I'm getting a activity in a different way too. Um, so yeah, my training would be flexible, I think as well. Terrific. As I say all the time, uh, Bane, thanks so much for dropping in, for taking the time, for unpacking, for uh, putting up with my rambling. And I'll just say, I hope you have a great rest of your evening. Good luck uh, with the rest of your work week and have a good weekend. Craig, thank you so much for having me. Um, it was lovely speaking to you and um, hope to you again at some point as well. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>